All right, um, so we are finishing up our series dealing with the Word. The Word being God's Word. When He spoke it, it was written down. Um, and it was written down here. And, and sometimes it was spoken, sometimes He just told uh, what are people called prophets what to write down. But it's all right here. And I don't know if you've ever looked at your life and you thought, Man, maybe right now is this time. You thought, man, life is hard. I mean, things are tough. My, my bills, I'm wondering about, and how am I going to do this? And, you know, relationally, I'm struggling. And, and, and financially, I, I just don't know what to do. And then I got school or, or work and, and all these pressures. Life is hard sometimes. Um, and sometimes we, we just come to the end of our rope and we go, where do I turn? I don't know if you've ever been there. I feel like I'm there about once a week. I've got three kids. So, you know, I'm just like, ah! My wife is there every day, I think, because of our three kids. And, and, and you just, where do we go? And, and we're going to answer that question today. Uh, we've been answering it. You go here. You go into Scripture. Um, now, if you're not into a, a habit of doing that, your first reaction is probably boring, you know, whoa, okay, but hang on, hang on with us, let me recap what we've talked about so far, the first week we shared with you why we believe that the Bible is true from the first word to the last word, why we believe that it is true, we shared three criteria with you, first of all, how close were the authors of every one of these books, especially in the New Testament anyway, to Jesus, how close were they to Jesus? Were they best friends with Jesus? Were they one of his disciples? Were they three degrees of Kevin Bacon off, right? You know, that kind of thing. How close were they to Jesus? And then um, when they read the book, what is God's undeniable presence in each book or letter? Is it there? Then, then over time, was the book accepted by God's people? And we talked about how over about 300, 400 years, these, these books became accepted. And this became God's word became the Bible. And then we shared you know, seven different areas where we can look out in the world and say, this proves that these things are real. And I'm going to run through them because I've, I've already gone in detail with them in the first message. If you want to talk more about it, we can. But it, the arrangement of it, how every, every book talked about God in the same way. He loves us. He cares for us. Historical witnesses. There are people who were not Christians who said, you know what? This guy Jesus lived and he's doing crazy things. It's incredible. Um, documentation. We've got more manuscripts of the Bible than we have of almost any other publication ever. And they all say the same thing. There's not like one's way out here and one's way out. They all say the same thing. Archaeology. There's archaeology every day that comes out and proves Scripture to be true. Every day. Uh, prophetical fulfillment in the Old Testament. There were a ton of things that people said. They said this about Jesus, said this about Jesus, said this about Jesus, said this about Jesus. They came true. They all came true. Except for the, uh, the end times where Jesus will return. Hadn't happened yet, so hadn't come true yet. Then, the last one, um, or no, the second to last one, biblical witnesses. The biblical witnesses in the, in the Bible, there's a ton of them. Jesus is raised from the dead. He shows himself to 500 people at one time. 
120 people at another time. His disciples, they're all hanging out in a room one time, and then poof, he's there, right? You're just like, oh, <laughs> hey, buddy. And then he's gone, you know? He hangs out with them for a little while, and he's gone. They all saw Jesus. So we have these witnesses where if, if this were a courtroom, if this were um, a detective investigating Christ, you have too many witnesses, an overwhelming amount of evidence with all of this stuff. And then the last thing is it's never been proven wrong. There's a lot of opinions. And there's a lot of people who are very smart who have opinions. But there's never been evidence to say, this never happened. And I've proven it right here. Not one time. So because of that, we believe that the Bible was written by God through men. We believe that the authors were so divinely inspired that what they wrote down was completely truthful and holy. And and we've been sharing this statement throughout this series, throughout the last few weeks. The Bible has authority in your life and for your life. And so last week, we shared with you four ways the Bible has the power and authority to change your life. One, it's powerful and influential. The more you read it, the more influential it becomes, the more it gets into your heart, and the more the Holy Spirit starts to use it, right? It purifies you. Jesus cleans us up. When we come to him, he makes us pure and holy, but... At the same time, we're still sinners. It's kind of this weird paradox. But as we read Scripture, we conform more and more and more to what it says. It satisfies your hunger for more. We were driving down the road, uh, I guess it was last week, and uh, we made a U-turn on St. Charles, and I U-turned right behind uh, a Ferrari. It was awesome. And as a guy... You see a Ferrari, this thing was brand new, too. And um, everybody waiting on the streetcars, you know, it drives by, tourists, you know, Wah! got out their camera and on, their, on their phone and all this stuff. And I'm driving behind it and I'm going, I wonder what it would be like to drive that. You know? I bet it'd be cool. And then I see him going down St. Charles, and St. Charles is potholes, you know, and he's like, <laughs> no, that wouldn't be cool at all, you know? But it'd be cool on the highway, it'd be cool on the Audubon. And it's hunger. You know, because my one car is down and out. We're about to sell it, I don't know, for scrap. The other car, you know, starter goes out, you know. And, and, and so this hunger, I'm like, man, I'd love to have that. And then I think, no, I'd love to just have a car that works, right? And then I think, we've got a car that works. I just have to change the oil every once in a while and the starter and maybe an engine one time. But that's all right, you know. So, so this hunger for more is this desire that we have. And Jesus satisfies this and he gives us peace in all of that. And he says, you know what? You need to just rest and relax. I'm going to take care of you. And then lastly, we saw that it reveals the way in your life. It makes clear to you the directions you should take. God will open doors for you. He will shut doors for you. He will block things where you don't need to go. If you're following him, if you're seeking him in scripture and then following the Holy Spirit. So today, here's the question I want us to ask. What should my response to the Bible be? What should my response to the Bible be? What should we do with this incredibly powerful weapon that we have on our bookshelf at home or, or on our nightstand? What should we do with this? Now, let me ask you this. If Jesus were sitting right next to you and you're talking with Jesus and you know it's Jesus and he says, you know what, Jason, this is the direction I want you to go. 
would you deny that? Right? You would, you would, you would say, this is easy, right? It's, it's, this is great. And you would get up, and you would go, and you would follow him to the T because you know that he is in charge, that he has the authority to complete and finish everything that he says he will in your life and in the world. And so you're going to get up and do that. Now, here's the thing. For those of us that have given our lives to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit and lives within us. When we read this, we'll see something and we'll, it'll register with our heart. And the Holy Spirit will point it out to us. That is Jesus sitting right next to you, pointing these things out in your life. This is the direction I want you to go. This is the sin that I want you to stop. This is how I want you to, to lead. This is the person I want you to apologize to. This is how I want you to worship me today with your life as you talk to this person. When you're disciplining your children, I want you to do it in kindness because that worship that is worship to me. These things that register in your heart is Jesus sitting right next to you saying, this is what I want you to do. And we need to follow him, but because he's not physical, it's real easy for us to say, eh, I don't know, I don't need to apologize to them. We're cool, we're good, right? But listen, the Bible has authority to change your life. It has authority in your life and for your life to change your life when we listen to Jesus. There's three ways. If you have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screen, but I always encourage you to look. There's, there's one around you. Uh, turn to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is, this is old school, Old Testament. First five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. And, and Moses has... The Ten Commandments. And what a lot of people don't realize is that not only did Moses get the Ten Commandments, but while he was up on this mountain receiving them, he was up there for about a month, something like that. And, and he's up there for a month, and you think, okay, it took a month to get Ten Commandments. It's not what happened. He was given a ton of commandments and laws and all these things. And, and in our day, we think, man, the law, it's there to hold us down, you know, speed limit, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here's the purpose of the law. The law was there and put in place so that we as people, really the Israelites, as people, the nation, could have a relationship with God. Because here's what happened. They're in Egypt, they're slaves, and God pulls them out. And here's how they know God. He leads them out because he's a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of smoke during the day. And they're following this pillar of fire, pillar of smoke. Put yourself in there, that situation. How would you re relate to that? I mean, it's impossible, right? There's this booming voice coming out of the fire, and, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to be scared to death all the time. It's just this awe and this, this fear, this worship. And then God says, no, 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 listen, I'm a relational God, and here are the, the ways that you worship me and the ways that you obey me. And so a lot of times we look at the law, the Old Testament law, it's like a bunch of rules and regulations. They didn't look at it like that. They saw God, someone who cared enough for them to tell them how to relate to him. And so in Deuteronomy 6, they have these, all of these laws. 
In verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This, this verse right here is the verse that sums up the entire law. I mean, chapters and chapters of, of law and how you bring your sacrifice and how you apologize to your neighbor and, and how you prepare food and, and the clothes you wear. All of this stuff is summed up here. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love God with everything you are. These commandments that I give you today are to be, are to be upon your hearts. Now, here's the thing. The Israelites didn't have technology to reproduce Bibles like we do today. In fact, they wrote it either chiseled in stone or they took a, a, what's called a papyrus reed, which is a plant. It's kind of a, it's a spirally plant. I don't know how to explain it. And they would unroll it over time. It'd take, you know, a day, two, three days. And they'd just unroll it, let it dry out. And then they could take ink, which I have no idea what their ink was, but they would take this special kind of pigmentation, and they would write it, write down the laws. This took forever. And so when they were done, they would roll it back up very gently and neatly, and it was in a scroll. So this is how they did it. They didn't make a scroll for every family. A scroll was written for one temple, and over time they built up. So in, by the time you come to Jesus' day, you have uh, maybe two or three scrolls in the local temple. And so they have one way to place this law in their hearts, and that is to listen to it over and over and over again. To memorize it, to hear it so much that you just know it, right? And they had to do a lot to do this. They had to spend a lot of time. They had to spend a lot of energy. They'd have to go to, the, go to Moses and, and have him read, or whoever was in charge of the temple that day, they'd have to read over and over and over again. Now today, for us, we're, we're not a, a, a listening, audible society. We're very visual, aren't we? I mean, I, my wife will tell me something and I forget it instantly. Is that horrible, right? She'll, she'll ask me to do something, she'll, I'll be back in a couple of hours, right? Got it, you know? And then what happens? The kids start going crazy, something comes on on TV, you know, or something, and, and then all of a sudden I've lost it. She comes back and, and, and here's the hard part. This is, this is where, you know, she comes back and all of a sudden I'm like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> that feeling, it's like, oh, you know, we're very audible. All right, ladies, don't look at your husbands, all right, just look at me. All right, so we're very audible, I mean, very visual, because we will get sucked into things. And so for us, we need to do things to put this in our heart that is visual, right? When I was in, in college, I took a, a course on church history, and it was the most hideous class you had ever taken in your life. The final, the midterm and the final both of them, we had to learn 600 facts. So you'd have, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six topics, right? And facts for each one. Fact, 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 right? And, and 600 of these things. And the, and the board would be just 
filled up every day of class. You'd have to eat three bananas before you go to class to build up your potassium because you're just writing like crazy. You're like, ah, slow down, you know, and you're just going nuts. And, and, and he's just flying through this because six, 1,200 facts total throughout the year. Here's the, the part that we just hated. Come final time, the board would be completely cleaned off. And when the final or the midterm came around, he gave you, it was a two-day final. Each day, he gave you one number. And people, you know, everybody's like, is it number six? We're learning 600 facts, but we're only going to give 200 of it. And we had that dreaded blue book, right? And he'd come up on the board, and sometimes he'd just go, good luck. You know, sometimes, just because he was kind of arrogant, he was, it was kind of funny. Sometimes he would open the door and he'd go, hey, kid. And some kid would be walking down. He goes, give me a number th- one through six. The, cr- the class would go crazy. Four, four, you know, because some people are gambling. They're learning four out of the six just hoping they get one of them, you know. And they're just screaming for their life. And the kid's just scared because people are screaming at him. And, and the teacher's like, come on, kid, give me a number. And he's like, I don't know, two. And everybody's like, no. And people literally would take their blue books, write their name on it, walk up, and turn it in. I mean, it was sad. Everybody went, oh. But this is what we had to do. Now, in order to learn 600 facts in, in basically three months, plus you got all these other classes, in order, not even three months, two months, two and a half months, in order to learn 600 facts, we had to do incredible things. We had to go to incredible lengths. We reserved a room in the library, and we were the biggest bunch of misfits. I don't remember what the fact was, but I remember one of the guys in our study group was, was floundering on the floor, doing the snake, wiggling around, just so we could remember this fact that we could not get. Don't remember the fact anymore, but I remember what he was doing, right? And, and, and other times, we'd, I mean... I don't know if I share this. We'd light things on fire. We, you know, we'd, I mean, just all kinds of stuff, crazy stuff to remember the facts. But we saw it, and we remembered it. And I didn't ace it, but I'd, I'd get 80s or you know, upper 70s, which in this class, that's, that's an A, right? Because everybody's getting 40s and, and all this stuff. We remember things visually. Reading, reading doesn't work. I mean, don't get me wrong, you need to read this. But when you read, you need to be asking questions. And you need to be writing them down so that you'll remember them. Because how many of us literally will read a paragraph thinking about something else and then go, what did I just read? Right? Yeah, yeah. Every one of us. Cliff is a representative for all of us. We, this is what we do. And so in order to be to be in the moment to where we know what we're reading, we have to do things. You need to journal your sins and your failures. You need to write these things down when they occur to you. You need to write down your victories and your accomplishments. They're not yours, they're God's, and he's working through you. But write them down. Act this stuff out if it makes you feel better. If y'all saw me when I rehearsed the messages, you would think I was a freak, okay? Because my rehearsal... It is nuts, and I have to completely tone it down. But it helps me to remember what, what I'm doing and, and what I need to say. 
Well, maybe y'all might think I'm nuts up here. Anyway, you, you know, here's, here's something. You can illustrate it. You can rewrite it. You can act it out. Do whatever it takes to understand it and anchor it in your heart. Whatever it takes. This is why we try to be very creative in our messages um, so you can better understand it, so it'll stick with you when you leave, right? But just placing yourself um, in reading doesn't work. Now, here's what I love to do. And I, maybe, maybe this is weird. Maybe I should have been in Hollywood. But I love to place myself in their shoes. Whoever I'm reading about, I love to know the history behind what's going on so I can really get a grip on what's, what's going on in the situation around the person. I remember I did a message, and it was the hardest message I ever did. It was about three or four years ago. And we did a series where we took your questions, and we're actually uh, talking about doing that here pretty soon. Um, but we took your questions so we could answer them. One of the question wa- questions were, where did my miscarried child go when he died and I read the question I thought there's no way I can do this but I I mean it's a great question and it needed to be answered and so I'm reading through scripture and and looking around looking around looking around and I come across David David had this horrible time uh, in his life where he committed adultery and um killed the, the husband of the woman that he had adultery with and then and ended up marrying her. And it was just a bad period of his life. And the woman, uh, Bathsheba, she was pregnant. She got pregnant with his child. And he's confronted. A prophet comes to him and he says, you're the man that's messing all of this up. And because of that, your child will not live. And Daniel wept, and he cried, and he cried, and then the baby was born, and it died. But I remember so clearly, not just here, but there's several other places in Scripture, I remember placing myself in David's shoes, because I'm I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. I remember placing myself in his shoes, and I remember crying and weeping over the loss of a child. But I also remember David's words. He said that his son, that he would go to his son, but that his son would not return to him. And David was called a man after God's own heart. So David would be with his son in heaven. Now, when it comes to your heart and you're reading this, what happens is the Holy Spirit works on you and he works on you. And when you are in a certain situation in life and you know this and you know that you have him, man, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings this scripture up. And you have the power of God in your heart to share with others. Now, it's good to know Scripture. Uh, it's good to know in Acts 17, there's not a verse, you can look it up later, Acts 17, 11, uh, it talks about how you need to know Scripture to test out other people's spiritual truths. There are so many jacked up people on TV that, man, they come up across polished and great, but their theology is wacky. I mean, wacky. 
They never talk about sin. They only talk about great things. Well, that's great, but that's only half of the Bible. It's only half of God. So it's great to know, and you need to know Scripture. It has the power to change your life if you, if you will put it in your heart, right? Now, the Bible has authority in your life, for your life, to change your life, if you teach it as well. If you teach it as well. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. It says, Impress them upon your children. This is the commandments that were given um, to Moses, to the nation of Israel. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Impress it upon your children. Um, I have a hard time doing this, just obviously just taking the Bible out and reading it because I've got a, a four-year-old who bounces off the walls. I've got a six-year-old who, who can focus, but he asks, they both ask a lot of questions, you know, and I'm very task-oriented. I'm like, let's get through this. And they're like, wait, 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 tell me about this. And what about this? And did you see that tiger we saw today? And, you know, all this stuff. You're like, ah. Here's what I do. <clears throat> I use stories. My kids are named Ty, Eli, and Sage. I tell them a story every night. I haven't recently because I'm trying to come up with fresh material. But the story is about Cy, Zeli, and Paige. They don't get it, right? They don't get it at all. They're just like, tell us about Cy, Zeli, and Paige. And so every night, once I, get, once I get a new story, so far we've done, they were astronauts. Uh, before that, they were, I don't remember, they were in the jungle or something like that. And um, we go through, we'll go through parts of the Bible. And Cy, Zeli, and Paige will come upon, say, a battle right? And nobody wants to go fight this giant man, except for this little boy. And Cy, Zeli, and Paige are, are, you know, they're in the midst of it, right? And so they learn the Bible story by just hearing it and seeing it in their mind, right? And they're, they're all excited. They're on the edge of their bed looking up at us, and then Eli's asking, wait, 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 tell me about this, and listen, what, what happened here? And I mean, they are engaged and into it. We need to teach our children about God and what he expects of us. We need to not only teach our children, we need to teach each other. The reason you're here is so that you can learn from a different point of view than, than your own. And you guys know I'm not perfect, so I don't claim to be. But here's the thing. The more you study this and the more you teach this, whether it be to your spouse or, or to your children or to family members in, in whatever creative way that you can, the more you do that, the more you find that your life will conform to Jesus. The more your life and your heart gets further away from your own desires that are really just evil, if we're honest with ourselves, and more to the desires of Jesus. And here's the thing. In, in Isaiah 2, it talks about how in the last days before Jesus comes, people are going to be running to church. People are going to be running because they want to know what's going on, and they sense something ha is going to happen. So I think it's a good idea for us to already know it. You know what I'm saying? Let's not, let's not wait till the last minute. We don't need to procrastinate. Um, and then Scripture also says, listen, everything in here points to Jesus, and we need to teach that and show that. Every book in Genesis, Adam and Eve, Adam was the first Adam. Jesus is called the second Adam. In Deuteronomy, when it gives all of the laws, Jesus says, I come and I've completed the law. Right? Every book points to Jesus. And so if we teach it, we will become more and more like him. Now, 
The last thing is, the Bible has authority in your life and for your life to change your life if we intentionally live it. Notice what it says um, through verse 9. Let me read verse 7 again. Impress them upon your children, and then notice from here on. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Right? This is kind of weird, right? It's like, what are we, tattooing this stuff? You know, or what are we... And, and it, it's weird, but this was their culture. They would, it was basically kind of a necklace or this thing they'd wear on their forehead. It was weird. It, it says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, talk about it. Think about it. Surround yourself with it. Be consumed with God. Be consumed with His Word. Right? Think about your friends. Your friends, the people you hang out with and hang around with, those are the people who influence you the most. They do. Whether you want to admit it or not, they influence you the most. And you can look at the character of your friends and your group of friends and you can say, I don't know that they're very reputable. Or you can look at them and go, man, they challenge me. But whoever you hang out with, they are the people that influence you. And they will influence you in one way or another. They can lead you into good situations or bad situations. Good things or bad things. Now think about this. When you hang around God by spending time in His Word and, and, and making it real for yourself by, by getting into it, by teaching it, by, by living it out, by acting it out, whatever, whatever it takes. When you do this, you're going to find that your life, again, reflects more and more of Him. The Bible has authority in your life and for your life to change your life. If you will study it, not like a book, but study it like it is your life because it is. When you study it, when you teach it, and if you intentionally live it out. Father... I pray as we move into a time of worship through song, a time where we can call back to you, and then a time of communion, God, I pray that you will teach us, show us in our lives how we can learn from you. Father, each one of us has a different trick in the way that we learn, that we remember, that we retain things, and so... um, God, I just ask that you will, you will teach us and show us how we do this. Father, I pray that we study your word, spend time in it. That we will have the confidence to teach what we have learned. Father, most importantly, that we will live it. We will live your word. Father, teach us, show us how to do this. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.